Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Percy. My name is Jenny Jones. I'm one of the pastors here um, at Real Hope, and uh, thank you for being here this morning and uh, joining us as we continue our series in Psalms. Um, we've actually been the last two weeks uh, been in Psalm 23, um, and so that's why Percy uh, led us there this morning. Um, we it's amazing because it's six verses. It's a song that's six verses. You would think, how in the world can you take multiple weeks going over six verses? But um, I will tell you this. We took two weeks, and I would say we maybe scratched the surface um, of this psalm. It's such a dense, amazing psalm. And so I'm excited to continue on um, this week and, and dive back into Psalm 23 with you guys. Um, so many of you in this room uh, may already know this because if there's one thing that a CrossFitter cannot do, it's not talk about CrossFit. So if, you, if there's anybody in your life um, that does CrossFit, you know that they do it because they obnoxiously talk about it or post about it all the time on social media, always checking in with their CrossFit um, box, as we like to call it in the CrossFit world. Um, but I am an avid CrossFitter. Now, listen, I did not say I'm a good CrossFitter. I just like to do it a lot, and I love it. And honestly, I spend way too much time thinking about it, if I'm being transparent. Um, when I'm doing it, I'm thinking about it. When I'm not doing it, I'm more normally thinking about how I can do it better or how the next workout can um, go better. But about two years ago, um, I had a pretty nasty accident at CrossFit, and um, while even past kind of the physical healing of it, it took me um, about a year and a half to like mentally kind of push past uh, this particular um, accident that I had. So um, uh, what happened was um, I came to CrossFit one day, and uh, we had a workout, a particular workout, and, and this is how the workout was. It was run 400 meters, um, come back in get your barbell, put it on your back, do 50 squats, and then do a rope climb. And then you did that until you got down to 10 squats, okay? So like 50 squats, rope climb, 400 meter. 40 squats, rope climb, 400 meter. You guys get the idea, right? Okay, so um, anyway, so I uh, had gotten pretty close like one time on doing a rope climb by myself. And so um, I am definitely a person that's like, I mean, like, let's just roll the dice and see how it goes. And, you know, we'll deal with the consequences later. So I thought, you know what? I've gotten pretty close to doing this one time by myself. Like, I'm just going to go for it in this workout. Um, so uh, the clock counts down. If, if you have never uh, been in CrossFit before, everybody starts at the same time. And there's this clock. And it, like, menacingly says, like, three, two, one, go. And so go. We take off. We do our 400 meters. We come back in. I, you know, clean my barbell up, get on my back, and do my 50 back squats. And like, I'm, like, in the zone. Like, I'm feeling good about it. 
Like it's everything's going well. I dump the barbell. I walk over to the rope and I kind of look up and I'm like, okay, well here we go. So I jump up and I'm pulling and I'm pulling and I'm pulling and I'm pulling and slowly but surely I'm getting to the top of the rope. So I get to the top of the rope and as I'm at the top of the rope, I realize that there is an imperative part of the rope climb that I have never practiced before, which is getting down from the top of the rope. And so as I'm up there contemplating how in the world I'm going to get myself down from 15 feet in the air from the top of this rope, what happens? My arms give out and I just fall to the ground. So just fall 15 feet to the ground. Now, there probably would have been some kind of injury um, in that, just in that act alone. But what happened is when I fell, I actually didn't just fall on um, the floor. Uh, I fell on the excess rope that was lying on the ground. So as soon as I fell, my ankle rolls and I actually end up taking the full force of the fall on the side of my foot and my ankle. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced pain um, so intense that you literally are screaming, but like nothing's coming out of your mouth. I think sometimes we can experience like joy to that extent too. Like you can be on a roller coaster and you're like, like nothing's coming out. Well, that's what happened, but it was with pain. And the weirdest thing that I also had never experienced before is like, I could not control my body from stopping to move. So I'm literally like a baby, just army crawling around my CrossFit box with my mouth agape, like trying to scream, but no words are coming out. So finally, my coach comes over and uh, stops me from moving. And is like, stop, let me like look at it. Um, and what ended up happening is that there was a husband and wife that was in class with me. They ended up picking me up carrying me to the car, driving me home. I went and got an x-ray, and thank goodness it wasn't broken, but it was very severely sprained. And it took me about four months to be able to put weight back on my ankle again. On that note, any of you are welcome to join me at CrossFit anytime <laughs> you want. Um, but it took me about four months to put um, weight back on um, my ankle. And kind of through that process... Um, I thought, as I reflected back on it, I realized that I thought that I knew everything that I needed to know to successfully do a rope climb. But the reality of it is, is that I actually only knew half of the movement. I didn't know the other half of the movement. And I've thought about that story a lot of times as I've kind of faced difficult situations in my life, because I think whatever you are going through, Whatever you're going through today or will be going through or have gone through before, everybody in this room, we're going to come to a moment in life in which we have to face something that we need to know how to get over and we also hopefully need to know how to get back down. We all have those moments in which that has to happen. And what I think is that I think in Psalm 23, there's this amazing offer on the table today that among all the things that the shepherd that we just read about is offering you and is offering me, David says this. He says that this shepherd guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The word righteousness really is just a big word for right paths. So David is saying, you know what? 
One of the promises that my shepherd makes is that he's going to guide you on right paths for his name's sake. And so we're going to get to this place in which we are going to need to know how to get up the rope and how to get back down. In addition to that, most of us probably sitting in this room would agree that we would love the guidance and the leadership of Christ in that moment. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you some very practical steps. I mean, I'm going to be like as practical as I know how to be. So this message is going to feel a little different than messages that we normally do here at Real Hope. Um, what we normally do in a message, you know, we kind of take a passage and we just kind of dissect it together, right? Um, and uh, we did that a lot of that last week. And so um, kind of also zooming in on one verse, so I would encourage you to listen to last week's message on our website if you weren't here or haven't heard it yet. But this week, we're going to be um, just really, really practical. Um, and, and I hope that through that, you're going to be able to see, like, you don't need any sort of, like, theological special training to apply the things we're going to talk about. You can apply them right now, like, in this moment, in this morning, in the days to come, because they're that practical, and they're that immediate in results, in your desire to have guidance in your life from the Lord. All right, so I would encourage you um, to take notes. We have baskets on the table. There's message notes in there. There's also pins. There's highlighters. There's all sorts of things in there for you. Um, and so uh, I would encourage you uh, to take notes. There's also Bibles on the table. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible today, that's totally fine. You can use that. There's also going to be scripture up on the screen behind me. Um, and if you don't own a Bible, that's why we actually have those there. We would love for you to take that home today um, and let that be the gift our gift for you so we're going to jump right in here's the very first one here's the first practical step it's this is that god guides us in the context of relationship god guides us in the context of relationship so in other words you are more than likely not going to get a fedex package with blueprints in it for the next 26 years of your life that's probably not going to happen. It's probably not coming. Because here's what David says. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's a relationship, okay? That's not a one-time thing. A shepherd and a sheep have a relationship that is built over time. And this is what Jesus understood. Jesus completely understood this. So when he's talking about his relationship with you and me and in the context of a shepherd, which he primarily does in John chapter 10, he zeroes back in on this very practical step. So look at what he actually says in John 10, 27. You don't have to turn there in your Bible. Just follow up on the screen with me. But it says this. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So what Jesus is saying is he's saying, hey, listen, if you're looking for guidance in your life with um if you're looking for guidance in your life, then that begins with a relationship with God. Because God is the one that created us for him and for his glory. So if you're looking for guidance, then it starts with a relationship with Christ. Because here's the thing. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's going to be difficult for Christ to guide you. If you have a fledgling relationship with Christ, it's going to be difficult for Christ to guide you. If you have an on-again, off-again relationship with Christ, it's going to be difficult for him to guide you. If you are a Christian that you would say, 
you know, I believe in God, I own a Bible, I occasionally pop into church, it's probably going to be difficult for God to guide you because he guides us in the context of a relationship. And Jesus is describing this, what he's saying about the sheep hearing his voice and knowing him and following him. That's the same description that David's giving in Psalm 23. It is this daily dusk to dawn relationship where the sheep have learned over time that they belong to the shepherd. And guess what? They know the shepherd's voice. The only way you get to know someone's voice and you get to know them in that way is by spending time with them, by developing a relationship with them. And the shepherd that David's talking about and the shepherd of Jesus Christ, who we follow, is a shepherd that wants to lead you and he wants to lead me. So it's not even a one-way street. It is a you pursuing God in a relationship with him. And guess what? He's pursuing you right back. He wants to know you as well. Jesus says, my sheep, they hear my voice, and I know them. So the practical step for some of you today is just simply this, is that you would have a lot more guidance in your life from the God who created you if you just knew his son, Jesus Christ, better. And I know some of you, you might be thinking to yourself, Jenny, what you're talking about, it sounds like it's going to take a lot of time. I don't actually have a lot of time because, like, I have a job offer that I need to make a decision on, like, by 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. So, really, I'm just really looking for some quick wisdom and discernment. Well, here's what I would say back to you is I would say, take the time to tell them that you need more time. You might say, well, yeah, but if I do that, then they're going to pass me up and that offer is not going to be on the table anymore. Well, then pass that offer up and take this offer that I'm talking about. Because this offer is not just one that's going to help you with that decision at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. This is an offer that's going to help you with the decision 9 months from now, 9 years from now, 19 years from now. We have to take the time to develop a relationship with God. We cannot simply have a crash course in God's guidance every 2 to 3 years when we need to make a really life-changing decision. That's not how it works. He leads us in the context of relationship. Here's the second practical step. It's this, is that God guides us incrementally. God guides us incrementally. And here's why. God knows that he simply can't trust us with a multitude of days and plans. So he leads us incrementally. Um, now, the problem with that and where the conflict builds is that we want God to lead us exponentially. So we want to know, like, what jobs am I going to have? How many kids am I going to have? What cities am I going to live in? Am I going to get married? Who is that person going to be? What are they going to be like? Are my kids going to make good decisions? Are they going to be productive members of society? Are they going to love the Lord? We want to know all of the things right now. And that is simply not how God leads. God leads us incrementally. He's not very likely to give us much more than the incremental measure of life that we need for the path that we're on right now to get to that next step of the path. But then you can trust him because he will be faithful to give more light to get to the next and more to get to the next. But he's not going to put a floodlight down the entire path. That's not how God guides us. 
And the thing is, is that we should be really thankful for that, because the truth of the matter is, is that if we actually saw the floodlight down the entire path, it would probably overwhelm us so much, we would just throw our hands up and be like, okay, I can't do this, I'm done. God knows that. He cares for us. He loves us. All right, remember the story I was telling you earlier about the rope climb catastrophe, right, that happened. Well, fast forward to about a year and a half later after I fell, and um, sure enough, I'm like at the same crossroads again, right, because there's rope, rope climbs back in the workout again, okay? But this time, there were some things that had changed. So over the year and a half after my fall, I had done things like, Worked on my nutrition, so I was about 40 pounds lighter, stronger. I had spent a good amount of time doing incremental steps to build up to be able to do that rope climb. So I'm talking about I spent literally hours like sitting in a chair, sitting on a box with the rope in between my legs, just positioning my feet over and over and over again. And then positioning my feet and standing up, positioning my feet and standing up. Climbing with a coach standing underneath me because that gave me some sort of false security, but climbing with a coach standing underneath me, practicing coming down, then eventually climbing up and down the rope, up and down the rope multiple times all by myself. I had taken the incremental steps needed, and I had mastered the one step before I moved on to the next step. It's the same thing with how God guides us. We have to submit to the process of him guiding us incrementally. Meaning that we have to stay in that step that he has us in right at that moment and learn what we can learn. Learn what he has for us in that moment before we can move on. And then we'll move on and he'll teach us a little bit more in that season. And then we'll move on and he'll teach us a little bit more in that season. But God guides us incrementally. And in the story and in the analogy that I'm telling you, the, the great news of all of that, of God guiding us incrementally, is that when I approached that workout a year and a half later, guess what? I could approach it with the confidence of knowing I had put in the work and taken the incremental steps to be able to be successful at this. God is not going to come and take you and stand you at the bottom of a 15-foot rope, look up and say, mm, best of luck to you, that looks nasty. That's not how he works. He's going to take you to the end or the bottom of this obstacle, the situation in your life. And because he leads through the context of relationship, so you've been investing time with him, because he leads incrementally, you can stand at the bottom of that rope and you can be confident in the fact that you're going to know how to get up and you're going to know how to get down. Because your shepherd guides you on right paths for his name's sake. All right? Here's the third step right here. The third step is this, is that God guides us through his word. God guides us through his word. So if you're looking for guidance really in any area of your life today, you are going to have that guidance in proportion to how much of God's word is woven into your daily life. How much of God's word is woven into your daily life? Like I said before, we, we, there's no crash course in God's guidance. It is something that is established over time. So, you know, if you're sitting here and you're like, I've got a big decision coming up, or I've got this situation that I'm walking through, but, you know, I haven't really spent any time with God in the last six months. I haven't really opened scripture in the last year. I don't really know him all that well, but God, I need you to come through on this one. Listen, I've been there. 
I prayed that prayer. So I'm not speaking it from a area, from a perspective of judgment or anything like that. I get it. I know that that's real because I've done it. But I'm telling you that is not the best way in which God leads. And it's really hard in that moment to basically put the pressure on knowing exactly what God wants us to do because at the end of the day, we don't know him. And one way in which he guides us is through his word. One way in which we get to know him is through his word. And here's what I think is really key to this. It's that we have to put in the work of being in God's word on the mundane days. Okay? So the days in which you're like, you know what, you're just going to work. There's, I mean, it's a normal day. There's, as far as you know, there's not much on the agenda. Family's doing good. There's not really much going on right then. It's very much just pretty much an average day. Well, that day, it's just as important to be in God's word and to know him and to continue to weave his word throughout your daily life. Because guess what? When you are at the bottom of that rope, looking up at what seems like a monumental task in front of you, guess what thoughts are going to be going through your head? It's either going to be your narrative or it's going to be the word of God. It's going to depend on where you've put in the time because God leads us through his word. Now, you might be wondering, okay, where where does the Holy Spirit come into all of this, right? Like you're telling, okay, God leads us through his word. That's great. But there's also the Holy Spirit. How does that work? Okay, well, here's how I think that it works. I think the word, God's word, the Bible, sets the direction for our life, and the Spirit brings the prompting and the remembrance of God's word to us in the moment. That's how I think those two things work together, all right? So continuing to just wear out this illustration of this rope climb story, um, Here's how I think that this works in that illustration, okay? So in that illustration of my rope climb story, the word is going to be like the actual written out workout, right? And all the various movements that are listed in that workout, okay? The word is going to be the how in the what kind of, of what we do in the direction of our life, all right? The Holy Spirit is the prompting and the impression throughout the experience, and the remembrance of what we need to do. So the Holy Spirit is going to be, for me, in that moment, the reminder of you've put in the work over the last year and a half to be ready for this moment. You can do this. In our lives, in our situation, the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that is saying, hey, listen, you've been in my word. You know the shepherd. He says that he guides you in right paths for his name's sake. You can trust him. You can do this. Your identity is found in Christ. It's not found in your work. It's not found in your friends, your relationships, your stuff. It's found in him. And so you can do this. That's how God's word and the Holy Spirit work together. The Spirit reminds us throughout the day of, come on, this is what you do in this particular situation right now. This is how you act or this is how you respond, even if no one else around you is acting and responding. The word sets the direction, the spirit is the impression that allows us to put that direction into play in our lives. All right? Here's the fourth practical thing. It's this, is that God guides us in community. Fourth practical thing, God guides us in 
community. All right? So he guides us in the context of relationship. He guides us incrementally. He guides us primarily through his word, and he guides us in community. So what that tells us is that the shepherd is, yes, interested in the individual sheep, but you know what else he's interested in? He's interested in the flock. And if we're being honest, that isn't really how our mind naturally works, right? Because we want a shepherd that is interested in one sheep, and that sheep is us. Like, I want a shepherd that's interested in what's best for me, right? And we have this attitude sometimes like, you know what? It's just like it's me and my shepherd, like just the two of us, just us hanging out together. And so I don't, I mean, I don't need to be involved with the rest of the flock. I mean, I don't need to be thinking about the rest of the flock. The flock. I don't know if you guys have ever had this thought or you've heard this phrase before. Um, I know I've definitely talked to people that have this mindset of, you know what, it's a, like, it's a personal relationship between me and God. So, like, I don't really need to be involved with and around other Christians. Like, I'm good. I can read my Bible on my own, and I can get to know God on my own, and you sure, certainly can I just have found in most of those times, we're not. (laughs) We're just not doing it. But I think more importantly than that, what this psalm shows us is that we have a shepherd. Because he is a shepherd, he is not just interested in one. He is interested in the entire flock. And listen, in the Christian culture, um, I don't know that we've helped this very much because we absolutely love this imagery of Jesus being into the one sheep, right? We love it. We sing songs that say things like, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. Listen, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm incredibly thankful for the fact that we have a God that, when needed, leaves the 99 and goes after the one because I have been that one before. So don't get me wrong, I'm thankful for that. But listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. He says this, he says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Okay, great, that's that's where this comes from, that's where those... That's great songs like the one I just talked about. That's where they come from. Verse 5 says, and he finds it. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. We kind of stop there. That's that's where we stop. We're like, yes, absolutely, God. Like, yes, like you go after the one, get that one. I mean, take that thing, put it on your shoulders. And yes, we all rejoice. But listen to what the first half of verse 6 says. It says, I'll read five and six together. It says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And goes home. He does not put the sheep on his shoulders, and then the two of them hang out together there in the meadow. That's not how this works. He puts it on his shoulders, and then guess what he does? He returns it back to the what? The flock. You will hardly ever see one shepherd and one sheep. And if you do, it's because he's taking the one sheep and bringing it back to the flock. 
We have a shepherd that guides us through community. He is not just interested in the one. Yes, he is interested in getting that one sheep and restoring it back to the shepherd, but he is equally as interested in getting that one and reuniting it with the flock because God guides us through community. I cannot emphasize how important this is. One of the ways in which we do that here at Real Hope, because you can break this down however you want, God guiding us in community, the flock, all that. I personally think Jesus in this moment, when he's talking about the flock and he's talking about them going home, I think, yes, he is talking about eternal life, but I think here on earth he is talking about the context of a local church. Because Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows how his story's going to go. He knows that Peter is about to have this immense responsibility of starting the local church. He knows what his people are about to go through, the persecution that they're going to face. And he knows that the only way they are going to withstand the crazy, chaotic ride that this life is, is that if they're in community. And so one of the ways that we do that here at Real Hope is through discipleship groups. That's one of the ways that we achieve community here through discipleship groups. And the purpose of discipleship groups is so that you can find a group of Jesus followers that you can do life with, and you can find the touch point of an under-shepherd. Now, you're probably like, what is an under-shepherd? You have never used that term before. That is true. What an under-shepherd is and how it's described in the Bible is that it is somebody... Typically in the Bible, it's described as a pastor, but you have to remember pastors in the New Testament, like almost nobody had that for their full-time job. So they're not talking about necessarily like a vocational pastor like what we have today, but they're talking about essentially an under-shepherd being somebody that leads a group of people, and ultimately they report to the chief shepherd being Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And so when we can grasp the two practical kind of steps that we need community, and that it will be a game changer in God guiding our life, if we can be connected to a group of people and to an under-shepherd that is helping lead that way, I'm telling you what, that will be a complete game changer in the way in which God guides your life. Life. It will change your world in terms of God guiding your life. And here's how it works. Okay, let me give it to you in a practical kind of example. Here's how it works. All right, let's say you have a big decision to make. You are going through a, a pretty substantial uh, obstacle situation, something like that. There's going to be a set of um, kind of three things that you're going to want to run through this decision through. Okay, so here's the first one. It's the word says X. The word says X, okay? The word being the word of God, being the Bible. So what this isn't saying is this isn't saying, first, you went to Sally, and you asked her her opinion over this situation, and she gave you her opinion, and she thought it was great, good to go. Like, that's yes, that's a good decision. That's a good idea. And then you called your mom a few minutes later, and she said, oh, that's a terrible decision. That's not what this is saying. This is saying the first thing that you do is you run that through the filter of God's word. So the word says X, all right? And then I sense Y. The word says X, I sense 
Why? So the word, again, going back, is telling me the direction, but the spirit is tugging at me, and I am sensing this about that direction. Okay? And we know what we're talking about, because there are times I know that you guys have probably come to a situation where you're like, well, there's this topic in the Bible that sort of addresses this, but you didn't live in, like, the New Testament era or part of the Hebrew-Israelite culture, and so maybe it doesn't exactly translate to the situation that you're going through. That's why Jesus left us, the Holy Spirit. So it's saying the word says X, I sense Y. And here's the thing, most people stop there. And, And that will serve you pretty well. I'm not saying it won't. But that's where most people stop. And if we have to consult God's word first, we have to consult the tugging of the Holy Spirit. But I think a missing piece to a lot of it is this third piece where it's the word says X, I sense Y. It's what do you think Z? What do you think Z? The Z part is what you are going to ask your core group of Jesus followers. And you're going to ask them the key question of what do you Think. Now listen, I'm not talking about your work crew. I'm not talking about your the crew that you maybe volunteer with or your, your gaming buddies or whatever it may be. Now, if all of those groups are great Jesus-following people, awesome. But I am talking about that specific group in your life. And if you don't have this, this is why you need it. But that group in your life, then guess what? They are also consulting the word of God. They are also moving by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And they are also part of a flock. That group. Saying, what do you think? The word, I've studied the word. It says this. I sense from the Holy Spirit. It's tugging me toward this leading, toward this direction. What do you think? And I can tell you from personal experience, there has been times in which I have gone to a group of people, of friends, several different people to run something through a filter. And I have said, you know what, I think the word says this, and since the Holy Spirit tugging us, what do you think? And thank God that they could look back at me and say, well, that certainly is a scripture. And I believe that you want the Holy Spirit to be tugging you in that direction. But there's also these other 20 scriptures about the same exact topic that would say, that's a terrible idea. The word says X, I sense Y, what do you think? Here's the thing, the word together, that actual word, it's a combination of three words, two get there. To get there, you have to go together. That's what God guiding us through community is. By the way, if you don't have a group like that, I talked about discipleship groups. On the back of your connection card, there's a box you can check that just says send me info about about discipleship groups. We would love to do that, and we would love to hook you up with a group of people that are doing these three things and will do life alongside you. Here's number five, fifth practical thing. It's this. God does not guide on wrong paths. God does not guide on wrong paths. 
right? David, he said that his shepherd, our shepherd, guides in paths of righteousness. I said this earlier, righteousness is just a big word for right paths, good paths, true paths, honorable paths, righteous paths. Those are the paths that our shepherd guides on. So listen to me when I say this. It does not get any more practical than this. This is the simple truth. If you are on a wrong path, get off. And when you do, you will find guidance from your shepherd. That's the practical step. You're like, do you have an illustration? No, get off the path. There's your illustration. You're like, do you have a story? I do. One time someone got off the path and they got guidance from God. There's your story. Listen, he only guides on right paths. So if you were on a wrong path and you were asking him for guidance, he is giving you guidance. Here's what it is. Get off the path. If you're asking him for wisdom and discernment, if you're like, no, 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 listen, I can't get off that path right now. It's too complicated. That would be too complicated for me to get off. The path. I just want wisdom and discernment of how to function in this path. Here's the wisdom and discernment. Get off the path. If you're like, I know what, I hear what you're saying, but like, what should I do? You should get off the path. Okay, so what you're saying is, what I'm saying is get off the path. He guides on right paths. That's what I'm saying. Now listen, if you're wondering, well, how do I know if I'm on a right path or not? How do I know if I'm on a wrong path? Here's the thing. What does this word say about it? What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? And what are some other great Jesus-following people? What have they said about it? You want a simpler question, this. Is it bringing God glory? Does it follow his word? Is it bringing him glory? Run it through those two questions. I'm telling you every single time you will know if it's the right path or not. God does not guide on the wrong paths. Here's number six. God guides best when there is a higher vision than just what's best for you. God guides best when there is a higher vision than just what is best for you. Verse 3, again, in Psalm 23, he guides me along the right paths. I want you to underline this in your Bible. I want you to highlight it, draw fireworks, stars, whatever you need to around this second phrase. But it's this. He guides us along the right paths, and here's the phrase, for his name's sake. For his name's sake. Listen, that's a game changer, because in a lot of life... You know, we view guidance as God helping me figure out what's best for me. You're like, well, of course we do. That's what guidance is. That's what God's for. No, no, no. That is not what God's for. Here's what God's for. He is for what is best for you. He is, and his word says that multiple places. And there's not a period there. And he is also for what is best for him. Now, you might think to yourself, well, that sounds like a really selfish God. Like, I'm just a puppet, and I'm just like, he's just, I'm just supposed to be what's being used for what's best for him. Let me tell you this. That is the kind of God that you want, and the kind of God that you want to follow. You want to follow a God that is for what's best for you, and is, what best, is what's best for him. Because here's the reality. 
you can get it all. Whatever that dream in your mind is, you can get it all. You can get the house you want. You can get the family you want. You can get the job that you want. You can get the relationship that you want. You can get the college admission that you want. Whatever it is for you, you can get all of that. But at the end of the day, if none of it was for his glory, then guess what? You feel more empty and more isolated than you ever did before. God is for what's best for you and what's best for him. Because guess what? What is best for him and what gives him the most glory is actually what is best for you. So God guides when we have a higher vision besides just what's best for us. All right? Here's the very last one. This is what I'm going to close with this morning. Here's the very last one. The last practical point. is that God becomes more visible in the future to those who are most obedient in the present. Listen to that. Like, think about that for a minute. God becomes more visible in the future to those who are most obedient in the present. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 21. Um, you can just follow it on the screen. You're welcome to turn it if you'd like, but um, you can also follow it on the screen. He says this. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I, too, will love them and show myself to them. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I, too, will love them and show myself to them. In other words, here's the deal. If you want to see Jesus more clearly in your life, obey Jesus right where you are standing right now in your life. We always reverse that, right? Like we always are like, Jesus, I want more of you. I want to know you more. I definitely want you working in my life. I definitely want your blessing. I definitely want to see you clearly. I want more of you revealed. But I just need some wisdom and discernment right now in this immediate moment. Here's the thing, the whole time, what he's telling us is he's saying, hey, listen, if you want more understanding of me, if you want more revelation of me, guess what? That will happen when you obey what I'm giving you right now. Because when you obey what God is giving you right now in the situation and in the season of life that you are in right now, what that says to him is that you love him and you trust him. Love him and you trust him. So if you want God to become um, more visible in the future, he does that to those that are obedient to him in the present right now. See, here's the correlation. is that the people in life who know Jesus the best, from my experience, what I've seen, are the people in life who obey Jesus the most. It doesn't seem that hard. It is. But that's really it. It's as simple as that. And somebody that is doing that, that relationship cannot be broken, right? That's the person that sees that he guides us in the context of relationship. So do, so do you know the shepherd? 
that's really the question you have to ask first and foremost. Because it's almost one of those like see step one to be able to do all the other steps. Like all the other steps are going to be pretty broken if you don't have step one, which is you have to know the shepherd. So you have to know he guides us in the context of relationship. He guides us incrementally. So maybe what God wants to give you right now is really just the next step. Like you're not ready to climb all 15 feet of the rope. I was not ready to climb all 15 feet of the rope that day. And what happened? I fell. It ended up an injury. I didn't do the incremental steps needed. And sometimes that's what we do. We jump right, want to jump right to the end product. And God's like, whoa, you're not ready for that yet. One of the most impacting statements that a mentor ever told me one time was the reason that you are not seeing the very calling on your life that you're praying for is because your character is not strong enough yet to withstand the weight of that calling. Work on just loving him where you are right now in your day-to-day season of life and follow his incremental steps. He guides us with his word. He guides us in community. He does not guide us on wrong paths. And he guides us best when we have a higher vision of just our good. And lastly, God becomes more visible in the future to those who are most obedient in the present. So these are just seven practical steps that I hope that you can walk away from our study over the past two weeks of Psalm 23 believe that we serve a very, very good shepherd. One that if we take him up on the offer that he has on the table for us to follow him and to know him, he promises to guide us and to restore us, to protect us, to bless us, to anoint us, to empower us. But he promises to do it all for his name's sake. Which means sometimes it might not look how you think it needs to look. But I promise you, he is for what's best for you, and he is for what's best for him. But the correlation is that what's best for him is what's best for you. So I just want to close us in prayer, and as I'm praying, I want you to think about um, which one of these steps you need to respond to um, this week. Which ones you need to start working on and focusing on in your relationship with